Fantastic episode of the Post Credits Podcast. My name is Brian Schoff. Over there is Mr. Matt Pepler. How are we doing today, buddy? I'm good as usual. You know, I'm having this. I think this discussion is going to be a lot of fun. I think people are in for a treat. Uh, yeah, we're our, doing something a little uh, different today. Yeah. Yep. You can describe it if you if you so please, Mr. Dufresne. <laughs> Miss, <laughs> is, <laughs> I haven't seen Shawshank in a long time. So is that uh, some specific call out to that movie there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, they're all eating something. They're having dinner together and it's like Red and Andy and, you know, they're, they're posse or something. And Andy contradicts one of them and he goes, oh, could you please, or says something along the lines of, oh, could you please explain that if you so please, Mr. Dufresne? Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So, because he was insulted because he was inadvertently put down for his intelligence that he clapped back towards Andy Dufresne. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Yeah. Well, I have been thoroughly put in my place. So in, in that, in, in that spirit today, we're <laughs> the, the topic of conversation. Isn't just one movie. We each brought three movies to the table. So we're going to give like a little mini discussions here, but the topic du jour is good directors who made bad movies. Yes. Now, I think there should be a little bit of a caveat in there because one man's trash is another man's treasure. And anytime one person's like, that movie sucks, it's the worst thing ever. Clearly, that's hyperbole. No one should ever say that about anything because it's just not even possible (laughs) to get to that point. But... When I say I think this movie is bad, obviously it's subjective. And if if you like the movie, good for you. I'm just going to lay out the reasons why I don't like this particular movie that I'm talking about. So is that the page that you're on or are you just going to go? It is the page that I'm on because I think at least one of the ones that I will bring up, people will say, what the fuck is wrong with you? You know, um, because if you look at, the amount of times it's been rated on like Amazon Prime or not just or the Amazon website, a lot of people like it. And it's not, it's like five stars all the way, you know? So, but for me, I just don't. So yeah, I I think that's accurate. There's going to be a lot of people that I think in, in a normal conversation would absolutely push back against one of the ones that I have on my list. But with that said, I think my criticisms are valid, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, we'll get there. We'll lay them out, but, uh, it'll be interesting. It's an interesting conversation. I was like, I'm really excited to uh, talk about this because yeah. it's usually we just shit on the outliers, right? Where it's like, these are the sleepwalkers of the world or the, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, shocking darks, American ninjas, you know? Yeah. The um, dominations. <laughs> And they also come from directors who have made like influential movies, you know? So it's like, how did this get so wrong? Mm-hmm. You know, that's also where I'm coming from. How did they get, when you see the other movies that they've made and then it's this one, it's like, it's kind of puzzling how they got here, you know, how they got to this point and they're making this one. 
Well, as the expression goes, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yes. And I think, at least in one of these cases, actually in pretty much all of them, I, I think it's okay to realize that as much as you admire a director, because all three of the, the directors that I picked turned out... Because I started thinking about like you know what are just some bad movies and you know but then the qualifier being it has to be a good director who made a movie that was you know bad is I guess probably a you know just sort of extreme language let let's say the movie is less than <laughs> some of their other <laughs> right. works right right and all three of them are hugely influential people who made movies that made me want to make movies and I think it's okay to admit that your idol like not everything's that your idols do is always good right i 100 percent agree so now that we've gotten that out of the way do we want to yep. get into the uh the outrage yeah. here and yes i think you should have the honor of going first since this you this was your idea to bring this up and i was completely on board with doing the topic this way so I think you should go first. Do you have, wait, before you say it, before mm -hmm. you go into your first, do you have any honorable mentions? Because I had two that were like, eh, should I include these? Should I not? No, I okay. I really tried to find like the app and I, I didn't even waste time thinking about the other movies that could have probably made the list. So, you know, we just like with the guilty pleasures, we, we could do a volume two of this at some point. Okay. Because I Perfect. think it's a conversation that can just go on. I mean, there's myriad examples. It's not limited to this, the three movies between the two of us, so the six total. There's vast oceans of misguided attempts at uh, whatever the film in question was <laughs> set out right. to do. Right. It's, it's only difficult to, th to go first in the sense that we didn't talk about, like, the order of, of sure. which we're going to attack this. And we have one director that kind of crosses over. So I think maybe I'll start with the crossover and then maybe you can end with that one. Okay. And that, and that way it's not, we're not just piling on the one guy for <laughs> okay. an extended okay. period of time. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Okay. So my first movie is going to be AI by Steven Spielberg. Yeah, this is, this I don't like this one at all. <laughs> you are you are right on the money. Uh, I'll just say real quick, and then I'll let you have at it. But this is one of those movies that I knew I wasn't going to like within thirty minutes of the movie starting. Like I was just like, the tone of this movie is not working for me. Uh, it's really interesting to have that feeling for the first time. But anyways. Go ahead. <laughs> you know, it's it's really difficult because I, this was kind of in the period where he started transitioning away from like the, the popcorn entertainment movies because, you know, Spielberg could destroy anyone's career within, you know, the, the blink of an eye because he just has that much power. He's that influential and deservedly so because he's the, the he's one of the few directors where his name means something to people like like an Alfred Hitchcock, a Stanley Kubrick. There aren't a ton of directors that your average person would go see a movie because that director did it. 
I mean, there's outliers, and now that the internet's out there, people have become more savvy consumers of things, but there aren't that many directors that had that kind of marquee value. So the fact that he was able to rise to that level well before the internet is pretty damn impressive. It is, yeah. So we had just come off of Saving Private Ryan, I think, and the, um, oh God, what's what's the Liam Neeson one? Schindler's List. Mm-hmm. Two great dramatic movies, but he he's he's transitioning away from the the Jurassic Park, Jaws, Close Encounters of the Third Kind style of of directing that he was known for, and then along comes a movie called AI, which is so full of logic flaws and <laughs> just the. You know, the it's and it, it feels like several different movies. And there's a couple different yes. times where it feels like several different movies because you have the first part of it where it's this kind of domestic drama uh-huh. about a, a family adopting a, a this robot child as a surrogate because they can't have a real child. And then when he becomes abandoned, it become you know that's when movie two starts. And then when the fucking alien show shows up. <laughs> It's now we're into movie three and it's none of it tracks really well. No, it doesn't. I'm laughing because I'm going back to the time I first saw this and I felt like the aliens was such a fucking curveball. Mm -hmm. I was like, where are we? What am I watching at this point? Yeah, Yeah, it's just so wild to me. The the movie could have ended at that cliffhanger because it was sort of a cliffhanger where he's like underwater looking at the statue of the blue fairy because he's he becomes on this after this robot becomes abandoned he becomes on this quest to find this blue fairy and you know he kind of finds something along those lines and just you know there's very much a pinocchio parallel there where he wants to become a real person and you know that but that's where part of the logic fallacies come in because they they make great pains of telling you that these are robots they want nothing they desire nothing they don't have feelings and yet right. he he's the one who does but he's also yeah. programmed to be different but then you know that that's kind of revealed a, a little bit later where okay david was this breakthrough case and okay i'm fine with that right but yeah. all the other robots kind of fall into place and they want to help him, even though they they don't care about anything. They don't want anything. They all have like self-preservation. They all care about like each other's hopes and dreams, <laughs> everything, you know? <laughs> so all of that, I find um, very hard to get into the movie. Yes. But I don't just want to you know, rip it down and trash it. Cause I feel like enough people did that when it came out, it was not well received. It was both critically or commercially audiences mm-hmm. didn't like it. Critics didn't like it. Well, and if I remember correctly, like there was a lot of backlash towards this movie because wasn't this supposed to be a Stanley Kubrick Kubrick movie. And then he was, and then he passed mm-hmm. and then like Steven Spielberg, Spielberg was like, oh, I'll take the reins on this, on this story and make it sort of sort of. And and this is the part of the movie that that I do appreciate. Because 
even though I just spent a couple minutes tearing it down, you know, I, I don't like this movie. I think objectively it's not a good movie. No. Here, here's what I appreciate about it. And, and this is, I think it's a good lead in for this where it's like the road to hell is paved with good intentions, you know, cause he tried his ass mm -hmm. off to do things to mimic Kubrick's style. Like there's shots that are straight out of like a clockwork orange and uh, full metal jacket, but they kind of do it in the AI world and set things up that way. He tried his ass off. The story, it, I mean, that was the common perception that he just kind of took it over as like a favor to a friend, which is a good enough thing that he wanted to bring his friend's vision to life because it's a story he never got to tell as a way of celebrating and honoring his work. I think that's wonderful. Right. The, the story goes out a little bit further because they had become friends over the years. So AI was something that they had talked about for a while. And Kubrick actually kicked it over to Spielberg after they had become friends and said, you know, you should direct this and I'll produce it. And Spielberg had said, well, I, I don't know if I have the vision to pull this off. So how about you direct it and I'll produce it. So it kind of went on for a few years and then he passed away. So after Eyes Wide Shut, that's when he was like, AI is going to be my next movie. And he, pa he passed away. So they were kind of in the formative stages of it. So in that sense, he did take the reins, but it wasn't like Joss Whedon taking over Justice League where he just kind of came in, swooped in and, you know. Right, like it did, was did still in its like pre-production before, like as Kubrick was like, be a part of it like it wasn't set in motion they were right. still figuring out how they wanted to make it yeah it's a, it is a little different um but i agree with you like and i actually watched this movie this year you know oh, wow. uh, because i was like wait a minute yeah i i, I want to go back to some of these movies in general and be like man have my opinions changed it's almost like a test like i'm self-evaluating right like did i not like it then because I wasn't smart enough yet, right? Or is it not very good to begin with? And mm -hmm. my opinion was accurate at the time, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and yes, it was. Uh, this just didn't do it for me at all. Uh, and it's just, it's perplexing why, why, and it's not enjoyable. I don't think that there's like much to take away from this movie where it's like, oh, that was really cool. And even right now, I'm thinking of how annoying Jude Law was in this movie with his prancing around and head cocking all the time, mm -hmm. you know, uh, that drove me up the wall. And then aliens. aliens. Yeah, I, I think they're supposed <laughs> to be super advanced robots, but they don't really explain that in the movie. And and then they just look like aliens. <laughs> so everyone's just, that's what everybody remembers. And then the aliens show up. Yeah. Yeah, well, that, I've I've pretty much said my piece on that. I think the the final pin in that I would like to put is I I think it it is successful in certain ways because there are moments where it genuinely tugs at your heartstrings. But there's so many tone shifts, and I I think the movie itself just has a real kind of identity problem. But I I do think it's um, a really amazing thing that uh, Spielberg did this for his friend. Right. No, it is. It is amazing that there's that type of tribute to it. It's just, I wish it was more. You just, you just wanted it to be better. Yeah. You wanted yeah, yeah. more well-rounded, more solid. 
interesting. Was this like the first movie where uh, Spielberg started using like that super contrasty kind of foggy look? Or was there a movie before this? No, he uses fog you know? all the time. I know, but like he used the backlit spotlight a lot, like in this yeah. movie, which Kubrick did very occasionally. But that was one of the things where I, I think he was paying tribute, but he kind of overused it. And another thing that kind of right. doesn't work is like there are some genuinely Kubrickian compositions, but they don't work in the context of the movie because of the editing. Whereas in a Spielberg or in a, a Kubrick movie, the shots like that would tend to go on for a long time and things would kind of play out through the frame. But here it's like you kind of have these artfully directed symmetrical shots and then it's just edited like any other movie. So they don't really have time to play for the way that he was using them. So it, it's back to just uh, the style kind of has a hard time matching up. Right. But this one... But what what I was gonna say is like this one, Minority Report and War of the Worlds, uh, they all look the same. It's got that same style to it, where it's like this does they don't feel like Spielberg movies with how they're shot, because I'm so used to Jurassic Park and everything that came before it all having a certain look to it, you mm -hmm. know. Uh, but I'm glad he is no longer using this style because it's ugly. It does not look good. I don't know. Maybe he is. I haven't seen West Side Story. I can tell you. <laughs> oh God, I didn't even know that was a thing. But I'm not a musical guy. I'm sure it's great. Don't, don't send the hate. I'm sure it's great. You know. Okay. So I was, I was looking through. I was going down the list of like directors that I really like that have made like a lot of movies that are in my collection that I keep going back to. This one comes from uh, Paul Verhoeven. Just because I love RoboCop and I love Starship Troopers now. And there's a certain fan base that likes Basic Instinct. That's fine. But what the fuck is up with the Hollow Man? Uh, this goes on my list because I feel like this is so out of left field. So weird. Why would a good director who has made those other movies make something like this? Mm -hmm. I don't understand it. Like... Uh, and he wanted to, after Starship Troopers, this is something that I found out that I found kind of amusing. After Starship Troopers, Verhoeven wanted to, like, tone down the satire and, like, sexual nature of his movies, right? And so his follow-up to Starship Troopers is about a guy who goes invisible and then just rapes women. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I just couldn't, I can't, like, how can you reconcile that, Verhoeven? Like, you're like, I'm going to tone this down. I'm going to tone, okay, so you did tone down the satire, but then cranked it up to 11 with your, uh, you know, the rapiness. Yeah. You know, uh, this is surprisingly, like, uh, to me, it's like, a, this is a vile movie. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate because there was, like, groundbreaking things with this movie. Like, how they did the special effects. They don't look very good now, but I mean, even as bad as this movie was and as uh, critically panned as this movie was, it still got an Oscar nomination for visual effects at the time. Like, that's, you know, like, uh, Kevin Bacon's, like, 
transformation into becoming invisible still looks like pretty amazing. And then, oh, like uh, you can see the organs and the different layers on his yeah. body disappearing. Yeah, and then like they had like a gorilla or something, and um, that was invisible. And I thought there, there was like this really cool attention to detail because obviously they couldn't see him, but they had to inject the gorilla with some sort of fluid, right? Mm-hmm. So they used like spray paint to actually like spray paint the gorilla's arm so they could see where the arm was. And then they injected. I'm like, oh, that's like a really cool, like, this is how we would get around that, right? Mm-hmm. And then when they injected that fluid into the gorilla, you could see it going through like the veins and like the nervous system or whatever, you know, yeah. or the circulatory system, which I thought was like, it was really awesome. It's just a shame that that type of advancement was in a movie like this, you know? Uh, Doesn't that kind of prove that they got the transformation backwards though? Cause if it's going through your veins, like wouldn't your organs turn invisible and it work its way outward until it got to no, the skin? No, because they were already invisible. Like they were already invisible and they were injecting something else into them. Right. You know but I'm when saying? Kevin Bacon turns invisible, and it's just like the circulatory system walking around. <laughs> or does that not happen? I haven't seen it. That in a long doesn't time. happen. Okay. No, no. Like his, um, when they turn him invisible, um, it's like backwards. So his like skin disappears. And then you see like the muscle system. So it's like going from the outside. Like, so first, like the skin disappears, which is super crazy because like now you're just seeing like all the muscles and everything. And then the muscles start like disappearing. And then the veins start disappearing. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's really interesting the layers that they did it and then how they did it for the time. That's what uh, I mean. Wouldn't that happen in reverse? Like, wouldn't his veins disappear because the liquid's in his veins? Well, I don't, I'm not a scientist, I guess. <laughs> and I don't know how they, I don't, I mean, if anyone knows the secret to invisibility injections, yeah. please uh, get a hold of us and we can do some course correction on this episode. Yeah, <laughs> I don't I'm, know how it would work. I'm not a scientist. <laughs> I just play one on the internet. Right. Um, uh, but the, um, I thought it was still awesome. You know, I mean, it's like, a, it, it was crazy. And then it's just, I don't know, man, like this movie irked me even when it came out and that was in 2001 or 2002. Mm-hmm. Um, is it because of the yeah. rapiness? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I think that the idea of someone going insane because they became invisible, invisible, invisible. Why am I saying it so funny? Uh, is an interesting thing to tackle, right? Uh, just the whole idea of if something's too bright, you close your eyes. But if your eyelids are invisible, how do you get away from it, right? Like, how do you, how could you manage to be comfortable at all? Mm-hmm. So that's like a little portion where it's like you could have like you could explore more of that like what are the consequences of this but just to go from like hey i'm invisible and now i want to have sex is just weird it's uh it's kind of disgusting yeah you know let's so, let's start off easy and rob a bank first jeez <laughs> yeah that's what i thought like man if i was invisible i think i'd just go get some cash you know I'd just go into the bank uh cuz who's going to see me Nobody. There's just a gigantic sack with a dollar sign floating out of the bank. (laughs) (laughs) What's, huh? Yeah. And here's something interesting that I found. This movie was super fucking expensive at the time to make. $95 million for a 2000, 2001 movie. 
50 million of that was just in the computer graphics alone. That's that's the coffee budget on a Marvel movie. Yeah, well now, but like <laughs> I know. Like but that's that's crazy. Almost a 100 million dollar movie for something that came out about t- over 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh he, he Verhoeven's gone to his credit. Uh Verhoeven has gone on to say years later that this is a movie that he should not have made. Um and he's he's depressed that he made it because he he was basically saying like I don't think that there's people that could make a movie like RoboCop, like the way that I did it, or Starship Troopers the way that I did it. And I would agree with him. And he said, but then he went on to say, you know, there's about 20 different directors that could have made Hollow Man the way that I did. Mm-hmm. And he was basically, you know, he said that that depresses him. So that's good that he said that. But man, that's it's crazy that this thing even exists the way that it does. Uh, So yeah, this one, I love his movies because two of them in particular seem to be, will always remain in like pop culture, but man, this movie is awful. Yeah. I haven't seen it since back in the day. So I, and I've had no desire to track it down. It's one of those movies like, eh, once is enough. (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, there's one on my list that I did rewatch. I only watched kind of a roundup clips of Hollow Man to be like, oh yeah, I, I, I remember prefer, everything about yeah. this movie. Yeah, so uh, that's probably for the best. I don't think it's worth it for the best. Ninety minutes. I don't think it's really available anywhere. I don't think anyone wants it on their streaming service. <laughs> I don't think you can rent it. So there you go. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, it's too bad. What do you got next? This is going to be Wes Craven's Swamp Thing from 1982. If I didn't agree with you that this was a bad movie, I would uh, be offended that it was Swamp Thing that you chose because I'm such a Swamp Thing fan. Big fan over here. Uh, You know, I had the toys when I was a kid. I loved Swamp Thing. I still love them. I've got the comic books on my shelf right over here. The whole Alan Moore run, uh, the whole thing. Uh, Newer comic books. I mean, you might have more Swamp Thing comic books, but I, I, I think, you know, we're, we're neck and neck for our admiration for the, uh, the, the Swamp Thing character there. Do you know how he got his name by it? Before I tear into this movie here, do you know how he got that name? I don't think I do. So you know Len Wiseman, the creator of Wolverine, yeah. and several other characters mm-hmm. created Swamp Thing when he was working for, for DC. And he couldn't, he was having trouble coming up with, with a name. So he just call, he kept calling it that Swamp Thing that I'm working on. And then that's, that's where Swamp that's Thing great. came from. <laughs> it fits, though. It totally fits, yeah. Yeah, I was surprised, too, because like I I went back and it's like, you know, do I just not like this? But I I don't think a a lot of people like it, although Siskel and Ebert really liked it. I I did rewatch the I I came across their review for Swamp Thing, like their 10 minute review where they were like (laughs) talking about how, you know, great it was and how much fun it was. Man, I don't know. It uh, it cost two million dollars, which was not a lot of money even at the time. I don't think it was a lot of money, especially for a movie like this that's very dependent on what the character looks like. And it really looks like a guy in a rubber suit. It, I mean, it is so bad. Mm-hmm. I don't it's... know how they got around it in Return of the Swamp Thing. He's got a lot more stuff just hanging off of him and kind of glued yeah. onto the suit. Maybe that hides it a little bit better, but like even around the neck, it's like anytime he moves, it's just fucking rubber. (laughs) 
it looks uh, it it looks terrible. And I, I feel really bad for Dick Durock is is you know we talked about feeling bad for him in making uh, of the Swamp Thing TV series because they made him rewear the suit from Return of the Swamp Thing <laughs> as it was falling apart for like 90 episodes. Here's your one costume. Oh, did anybody watch this? Well, we kind of can't. So just you coming in and out of the water is going to wash it. Man, like, but swamp smell is like one of the worst smells. It really is. If anyone's been around a swamp, it's nasty. Just yeah. imagine smelling that all day and you have to wear that smell. Got to wear it. Yeah. Well, and, and oh. this, the first one, I don't know where the second one was shot, but the first one was like done in South Carolina at the height of the summer. And you're wearing this rubber condom suit. Like, <laughs> I mean, he really suffered for that character. Yeah. I hope he had a better experience on Return of Swamp Thing because it was going to be nowhere. I mean, it, I don't know if I even want to come back after working on Swamp Thing un unless it's just like, well, you know, whatever. It's a job. Hey, I lost a lot of weight. Sweated a but <laughs> but that's the look of it why yeah. does the movie suck it's kind of too many ideas and it doesn't do enough to develop them like the the villain I, I don't think i even understand why he wants the formula and they're kind of talking about him like he's this you know colombian drug lord kind of character where he, he's almost mythical where it's like oh this guy's out there and you, we better watch out for him and then he just shows up and just does like a Mission Impossible face mask rip. And it's like, hey, did you hear about the bad guy? Oh, there's the bad guy. Fight him. And I just feel like he had he, he didn't have enough development. I, I never bought into. I like Adrian Barbeau, mm -hmm. especially movies of this period where she was just kind of going from like one great project to another, to another, to another. The Fog, Creep Show. Man, though, I, I just I don't buy their relationship here. Because she was super into Alec Holland when it was Ray Wise. Then she was super into, which he's lucky they didn't make him stick around and play the monster. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get this other guy to do it here. Um, you're fine. You're off the hook. You, <laughs> Hooray, I'm out of the mood. He's doing cartwheels as he gets offset. Moonwalking his way to his last paycheck and right out the door. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, Robocop's coming up in a couple of years. We got Twin Peaks. Like, hmm, on fire. Yeah. 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 And then she's super into him when he's the monster. And it's just, I, I don't feel like any of that really earns itself. But this movie also had a very troubled production. Well, I, yeah. I want to save the last thing because it kind of comes back to my first reason for not liking it. It had a troubled production. They it, it was going over budget. Things were taking too long. I'm not sure what the reasoning on it was other than a, a swamp was probably a really hard place to get lights into place, to get cameras into place, because like I'm sinking now. Mm -hmm. The people, they probably lost people who were, went out to set up the fog and never came back. Right. <laughs> like all the dry ice. <laughs> what happened to uh, the... the PA number one through three. I don't know. I think the alligators took them. We don't have enough uh, people with shotguns watching the swamp. They find bones, you know, and they're like, oh, my God, this was where the swamp thing production was. They just 
Yeah. It's like bones and mud. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, hey, this is the first AD. It could be. Yeah. <laughs> and that that is an actual position on set where they hire somebody with a shotgun to stand there when they're filming in places like that in order to to shoot um wow. wildlife when it gets too close to to the act because they're in the water but here's the problem though if anybody's ever actually been in a swamp and seen alligators or crocodiles it's scary as shit it I, is because because like by the time you notice them it's like there's their fucking eyes right there under the water and and like if they wanted to they could take you like that and you're gone and you're telling me yes. that that old man with a shotgun standing 20 feet away is going to save me oh my god Ugh, terrifying I, uh, in high school, I took a trip with my class down to Florida and, um, I always, I always just, I was like, Florida's great, you know, mm -hmm. citrus fruits and fucking universal studios and all this shit. Right. And mm -hmm. then I remember when I got off the bus, it was like an orientation of where we were staying. And they're like, this is how you run to escape crocodiles. And I'm like, the fuck? <laughs> like, oh, wow. You know, uh, that's that's a useful because, life skill. Maybe you should tell people how to do that. If you're ever being yeah, you, chased by a crocodile, you run in a zigzag because they can run straight very quickly, mm -hmm. but they cannot turn for shit. So yep. the fact that they have to turn gives you more space. So you run in a zigzag as fast as you can in angles. <laughs> Pro tip. You know, so yeah, but it is scary. And then that was no joke. They were fucking serious. It wasn't like, yeah, you probably won't ever have to use this. It was like 10 minutes later, I see like one of my friends running in a zigzag and there's a fucking crocodile just trying to get after him. Wow. You know? So, wow. It was nuts. I, I can I can only imagine if if he caught up and the principal is just sitting there like rubbing himself with the permission slip where it's like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh God bless the man who invented these yeah yeah oh my God parents yeah. can't sue mm. sign your waiver for your child's could be death by crocodile <laughs> yep oh. So the f the final thing that really puts a pin in it, and I, I think anybody who enjoys this movie, because even even as a kid, like you had your movies where you were like, I don't think this is very good a as a child. And yes. as, a, as somebody who really liked Swamp Thing, the, like the idea of the character and this being one of my first exposures to it, that it didn't scare me off the character, I think is a testament to what works about him as, as a concept. Yeah. Okay. That fucking fight scene at the end, like for as bad as the Swamp Thing costume is, Louis Jordan, Arcane, gets the formula, drinks it because he thinks it's going to make him, I don't know, handsome or something. I don't know, whatever. But it only makes you more like yourself, which makes him a monster. Okay, perfect. Makes total thematic sense. But he goes into this like it it's supposed to look like a cocoon. But it's like a man-sized gingerbread cookie that he, he kind of just like tears himself out of. And you see the worst monster mask, like hairy monster mask with Muppet eye, like yellow Muppet eyes and it, uh, like a pig snout or something. And then the rest of it's just like melted human. So it's it's back to guy in a rubber suit, bad mask. And then he's swinging around this like Conan, the like this broadsword. Yeah, where 
you know, bullets can't stop Swamp Thing. Like, what are you going to do with that? Like, it's just going to, I don't know. Well, a guy yeah. did chop his arm off with a machete, but that uh, Krug from Last House on the left, like, cut his arm off with a machete. Mm-hmm. But bullets can't stop him, so I don't know, whatever. It's it's all over the place. Um, I, th- I think a large part of why it doesn't work is Wes Craven's firmly planted in the horror genre. That's That's where his strengths are. And even though it's kind of a comic book movie, he kept making it like a horror movie, you know, like, yeah, again, with Krug, he's got him by the head and he's like crushing his brain and blood's coming out of his mouth, you know? Yeah. And then the production being taken away from him and the insurance guys coming in, because I, I don't know if you know this, oh, but no, but I don't know that that's that's what production insurance is when when a production becomes troubled, basically the bean counters come in. And they guarantee the reason it's called production insurance is so that they guarantee the people who put the money up that you're going to have a film at the end of this, no matter what. Okay. So when things fall behind, you're over budget. They, someone can pull the trigger and then basically all you can do is watch these other people make the movie for you. Wait, aren't we going to do a take two on that? Nope. We got it. It doesn't matter. They don't care because it's all about efficiency. You're behind. You were taken off the board. You lose your right to make the movie. Oh my God. Someone else comes in and just fucks it all up. So I Is think that what happened. That's absolutely one of the things that happened. And I don't know at what point it happened on Swamp Thing, but it did happen to Wes Craven. And he's, he has said numerous times that it was uh, making that film was one of the worst experiences of his professional career. Wow. So just imagine if that had happened on Jaws, where they're so behind, the shark's not working, and then the production insurance people come in. We wouldn't have had Jaws. Now, I'm not saying that Swamp Thing ever could have gotten to that level on its paltry $2 million budget. Well, right, but... Just to put it into perspective, though. Right. No, but it's, it's interesting, like, how many how many movies do you think are are on that line of, okay... We're gonna take the creative the creativity away from you just because we have to get this done. You know, I wonder if it's more than we think. You know, because even James Cameron, I think, because he was way over budget with Titanic and was like, "Here's my salary back. I don't want you to think like here that I did this in bad faith." Mm -hmm. You know, Uh, it's just this was this endeavor was way more expensive. Well, you he know, also he, owned the production company, though, because I think that was one of his light there, storm. Yeah, there are certain things where he did make money back, but he just wasn't paid a sal, or he gave his salary as a director back mm-hmm. for that movie. So, and I think he has some sort of back end thing, maybe a distribution or licensing thing. So. I don't know. It's interesting though. It's interesting to think about. I, I I would love to do more research, but I don't even know how how where you'd begin. Like, hey, what movies almost? <laughs> what movies were taken over because of production insurance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's and also as the creative force behind something. Like, and I'm not just saying Wes Craven as the singular person, but like the actors, the crew, the special effects designers. Imagine that happening to them, and just like, oh shit, like. Now what? Mm-hmm. You know, are we actually going to actually be able to put anything together? I don't know. Well, I think uh, that's, that's a nightmare. That yeah. is a nightmare. 
I, th I think that's part of why the fight scenes are so bad in it, too, because it, it's Swamp Thing grabs someone and then they just cut to a shot of someone like jumping through the air, or flying through the air. It doesn't connect, but but that's the thing where it, it's like and it's they do it over and over and over. And that to me is somebody who is just trying to be very efficient. OK, it's barely a fight thing. Put it on, you know, because they're just trying to get from A to B as quick as they can, the cheapest way possible, because that's their job, you know. Mm -hmm. so that's that that's my second pick what's yours well my second pick is actually one that I, one movie that i actually watched in preparation for this because believe it or not i didn't re i remember watching it a lot after it came out but i didn't remember much about the movie but i i know why now <laughs> but uh yeah this one is uh ghosts of mars by john carpenter Oof. yeah at the time i saw this it must have been 2001, 2002, right along when it came out. But I saw it in my apartment that I was sharing with my roommates at Grand Valley State University. But at the time, I was going to Kendall. So it must have been around 2002. Because uh, when I transferred into Kendall, would have been my third year of college. <laughs> and this movie played a lot. My roommates seemed to like it. I just thought it was okay. When I rewatched it again last night, I was like bored and kind of finished working on stuff. It was about 10 o'clock at night. And I just searched like, you know, Ghosts of Mars streaming. And sure enough, it was on Hulu. I was like, okay, let's throw this, this awful movie in. And I know why it's awful. And that's why it made, it made, I, I had put it on this list, but it really solidified why it should be on this list. I love John Carpenter. Mm -hmm. He's made so many movies that I keep going back to. You know, the easy one is, uh, you know, Halloween and The Thing. But man, I love They Live and Prince of Darkness. Uh, to a certain extent, Village of the Damned. Uh, Memoirs of an in Invisible Man. Uh, is Village of the Damned on anything? I need to see that. I, I mean, I can let you borrow it. I own it. Um Oh, I, I don't know. I guess In the Mouth know. of Madness, you know? Yeah. Uh, I revisit these movies all the time. But this movie is so fucking exhausting to watch. And I don't know why he did this. And it's really interesting. Have you seen it in a, in a little while? Or do you, do you remember? I, how I it remember it being on HBO all the time. And I, <laughs> I. No, I haven't tracked it down, and I, I don't want to track it down because I, I remember it also being really bad, really cheap-looking, uh -huh. really, really... The special effects were really obvious and phony. The sets were, uh -huh. like, very, like, sci-fi channel-looking. Like, we're shooting in a rock quarry, and we're using red lights to make it look like it's Mars. Like, that, well, that level even of... I mean, even yeah. worse than that, where they, they just have like a gradient filter on the lens uh -huh. and you could just yeah. see where it clearly stopped and didn't. It's, like, it's so bad. Yeah. And also on, on top of that, the editing and how like the, it's not even necessarily the editing, but it's the structure of this movie that is nauseating to me. Like the story, storytelling structure. And Instead of the movie kind of being like all of his other movies where it's like there's this clear uh, through line, like the story is told this and that this way and then this happens and that it's a sequential order. He'll have uh, a character tell you about something, like something that happened 
off screen. Like this happened off screen, so and so this happened. But then after while they're telling it, they also then John Carpenter showed you what happened. And this happens all the time. So the plot progresses and they're like, hey, what happened to so-and-so? Yeah, so-and-so left me and I don't know. And then so-and-so shows up later and he's like, hey, this is what happened. And then you go back in time to see what happened in like a two-minute space. And it's so weird. Like, why not just take out the, hey, what happened to so-and-so moment and just have so-and-so show up and be like, dude, this is what happened. This is crazy. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Like, it's a really weird way to tell a story Mm -hmm. because it seems like it's trying to be uh, Quentin Tarantino and Pulp Fiction of this different uh, way of storytelling that's non, uh, what's the word? Non-sequential. Yeah, non-sequential. But it is only like a few minutes back in time, not like days of (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's really weird it's not like uh you know all the different things where it's like john travolta's on a date with uma thurman and you know then it's like but you know he's dead or whatever because of a different storyline you know like and then the the massive amount of use of uh wipes to go to a different scene like george or uh what is it george lucas does in star wars mm-hmm. where it's like here's a wipe or it comes from the center of the screen or it's from the top to the bottom or oh, the wow. corner it does that thing too. it is all over the place in this movie so there's two things where it's like man that those are annoying those are really annoying and then i just i really don't understand the plot i feel like most of john carpenter's movies are pretty straightforward as far as the plot mm-hmm. you know halloween babysitters trying to survive Halloween night because there's a killer out there. You know, uh, I think the more complicated one is probably the thing, but I don't even know what they were trying to do in this movie by the end of it. Cause they're just trying to uh, escape these spoiler alerts. There's this mist that flies out of these alien made caves in Mars and it infects people and the people go crazy and mm-hmm. just become a bunch of murderers. Yeah. And come and, to find out the mist is demons and they're infecting people. Yeah, and they look like a cross between like vampires and Mad Max characters. Yeah. Exactly. This feels like John Carpenter's vampires if the vampires were on Mars. Oh yeah, don't slander vampires because I, I like that's a good one. It's it's okay. It's so much better than a, this. The, it is, but it's, it's not also the thing, not as but good it's as, totally yeah, serviceable. Other one. It's it's but less than the the villains almost look identical though between the two movies, vampires and ghosts of Mars. It's a really tall, very pale guy. Oh, also, but I will say in Ghost of Mars, the villain can't actually st- speak. It just kind of sounds like gar 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 gar. You know, like, I I just remember him like howling on the back of the train where he's obviously just kind of like kind of like popped in there on this train that this this model train that doesn't exist in this desert that doesn't exist with getting blown up by an explosion that's not there yeah yes it's some of the worst (laughs) visual effects i i think i've ever seen uh spawns also up there the Uh uh-huh the hell sequence is like oh 
Uh, yeah, that's this didn't even look good in 1996. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it gives you nightmares, but not because of actual terrifying things to look at. It's just that's the worst special CGI I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. You know, fucking Spawn. Um, there's also a point in the movie where they're trying to defend. So now we have like these cops and delinquents, degenerate criminals. Uh, and they have to come together so they can beat the mist that <laughs> has infected people with demon souls, right? Uh, but then, like, they don't have any explosive, but they have the charges to make explosives, like the charges for dynamite. Mm-hmm. They literally use the charges to put in canned food to use as grenades. And I'm just thinking, like, man, exploding, like, black beans on people isn't really going to stop them at all. But go for it. So they're just literally, you know, packing charges into canned beans and using those as grenades. That's canned bean grenades. That's, Makes sense, right? Well, that's mild. Canned <laughs> beans. <laughs> that's mildly irritating. What? <laughs> right? Wow. So I had a funny thought, though, while watching this movie. I kind of got to set it up a little bit. So I think there's a big miss opportunity in this movie. And I think it would have, it still would have been a bad movie, but it would have been a quotable movie or something that people would remember. And like Ice Cube was popular because of NWA, you Mm -hmm. know, and specifically like the huge song that was straight out of Compton. And I feel like that could have been like the, I don't know if I want to go too far before I, okay. But so I'm thinking, seeing this movie 20 years apart, I'm thinking of, like, what was around when I first saw it and then now. And it's it's kind of amazing that Ice Cube is still around doing shit, you know? Like, he's still, like, there's still things that he's doing. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, and then the Straight Outta Compton movie came out just a few years ago. Yeah. You know? And so while I'm watching this movie and I'm getting, it's close to the end and they're on the fucking train and... Natasha, whatever her name is, she's fighting. Yeah, she's fighting some guy in like the main cabin of the cave. And these are like the last two demons. And then Ice Cube is fighting the main guy, but he's on top of the train, right? And I thought to myself, is he going to have a one liner in this? Like if he punches the guy, like what's his, because I don't remember anything really, the finer details. And I'm wondering, like, is he going to have a one-liner when he punches the guy off the train, right? The main guy. And he doesn't. He doesn't. But I thought it would have been hilarious if Ice Cube said he punches the guy. A guy falls off the train. Mm-hmm. And he goes, straight out of Compton. <laughs> like, that, to me, would have been hilarious, right? Yeah. And I was thinking of, like, what are one, like, and the thought process behind this was, like, what are one-liners that I feel like have made someone famous and i think of like will smith like welcome to earth when he punches that fucking alien right in Uh the face right welcome to earth yeah you know pow i really think like ice cube could have had this gigantic fucking stratospheric career if he had something so weird like that in this awful movie where he says straight out of compton and punches this fucking demon guy off the train yeah it would have been like a proto-internet meme. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he's got the attitude. He could have pulled it off, too. I think so, and I don't think... I don't think people would be like, that's the dumbest thing 
in a movie, they would be like, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. He's on Ice Cube on Mars fighting demons. Punches a guy off a speeding yeah. train. Well, and, straight out of Compton. Yeah, and if if you'd have gotten to that point too, it would have given you something to be like, "Oh, thank God." <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, it would have been a nice, uh, nice payoff there. It would have elevated the the movie. Still a bad movie, but you're know, like, yeah, but you know, it would be like the equivalent of the Street Fighter movie, where it's like that actor, that famous actor, was like, for me, it was Tuesday. Raul Julia. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is a good line. All right. He, oh, I just want to, if, if you're yeah, ready no. to move on, there, there is uh, one I, thing I have to add to that there where there is an interview. I, I know he was bummed that the movie didn't come out well. And Ice, Ice Cube was or John he, he was, yeah, Ice, Ice Cube. Okay. Yeah. Because there, there's an interview I was watching because he wanted to be in it. You know, he was, he was a John Carpenter fan and the the quote was and i'm not paraphrasing yo carpenter is my boy but that movie sucked <laughs> okay i'm glad i'm glad he says something like that because it would be awful if like we're making fun of it but he was like i love that movie man what <laughs> you know no he so, wanted it to be good yeah we all did and i don't think the movie's bad because of him i i just think it's no, a weak it's... story and a weak 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 production yeah yeah. Lack of just, production value, bad special effects. Yeah. Very key ingredients for a science fiction movie. Uh, in outer space on Mars that's terraformed. Yeah. They're like, we can't, dude, we cannot put, we don't have enough budget to make spacesuits. So we're just going to say that they're terraformed. <laughs> Ghost of Mars, man. John Carpenter, you've made a bunch of great movies, but what the fuck? Ghost of Mars is awful i don't disagree so my next movie this is going to be my final one because we brought three apiece is going to be george romero's diary of the dead i just bought this on blu-ray yesterday i'm i'm so glad and and with any luck i'll ruin the experience for you (laughs) as you you put it in and you just can't watch or appreciate it I never upgraded this from DVD. It's the uh, it's the only Romero movie I don't have on Blu-ray. I just I don't like it. Um, I, I was a big fan, obviously, of the first three. People were kind of hard on Land of the Dead when it came out, but I I think it still hangs pretty well with the rest of them. Land of the Dead does, and okay. you know it, it must have some staying power because I, I don't know what else Eugene Clark's been in. But you see him pop up at these conventions and as signing the Big Daddy yeah. autographs and everything. Yep. So the movie definitely has its fans. And um, I don't think it quite did the business that Universal wanted it to do. But it wasn't a flop by any means. And I, I think it's the last great Romero zombie movie. Maybe not quite to the heights of Dawn or Day, but it, it's it's pretty it's pretty damn good and it's really entertaining and enjoyable. The effects are good. They did a lot. Of, I mean, you know, we go from Ghost of Mars where they just did the the effects <laughs> and the set extensions really badly. A lot of that post apocalyptic city stuff. It's like, well, we can't afford that, so they did it with like green screen and and put in different elements and they they really built that landscape in a way that you wouldn't have had the budget to do practically. Mm-hmm. So then, two years later, he goes back to his indie roots makes this movie Diary of the Dead, which it's, 
you know, kind of a found, I mean, it's not kind of a found footage movie. It He's is, trying yeah. to do a found footage movie, but it totally misses the point of a found footage movie because none of it has any kind of raw quality. Like it, the lighting is good. Everything's clean. Everything's perfect. Like even when the characters like put the camera down, everybody's still like perfectly in frame doing <laughs> whatever it is that they're doing. Uh, the audio is super clean. I, there's nothing found footage about it. Right. There's another thing that really bugs me, too, about the editing, where every time they cut to a security camera, it, it'll it have this, like, glitch effect, this, like, VHS glitch effect. Mm-hmm. Just so you know, you're watching a, something from a separate source. Even though the, the two cameras that they're using are vastly different cameras, but they match perfectly when they cut them together. But the, no, this shitty security camera, that's what we're going to do that too the other thing that's really irritating and this is just knowing how cameras work is like things will happen where you'll like the battery will be running out so then you'll see like the low battery sign pop on there that doesn't fucking happen it doesn't come up on your footage yeah only in the viewfinder i mean that would just be the character adding that because she wants she's trying to create suspense to scare you i gotta say man i don't know why i bought this movie because now i'm remembering everything about it The yeah, the the acting's not good. The uh, the motivations of the characters are questionable. I I understand that. Okay, you start out trying to make a movie because it's these you know film students trying to make a movie, and then a zombie thing happens. So then they start making a documentary about that, which is a very serviceable concept. And I I actually like that they're making this like weird, stupid mummy movie. Because it sets up a great thing later on when that guy is a zombie and he's behaving like a zombie, but it's like, no, it's an Egyptian zombie. You see how that works, you know? <laughs> right. So that was actually really clever. But I think it's the the one time, and a lot of people shat all over survival of the dead. I think it's a, a big step in the right direction. I mean, it's not as good as his other ones. It's, you know, a little bit um, cheaper done. The message isn't quite as strong as some of the other ones. But here's where Survival and any of the other Romero movies are head and shoulders above Diary of the Dead. In Diary of the Dead, it's like, you know, his comment on the YouTube generation and like the the early stages of the Internet, which was actually really forward thinking. The idea that there's so much content out there, it's kind of drowning the voices out, like like what the quality voices are. That's all cool, but it's so on the nose with it where the commentary gets in the way of you having fun with the movie, which never happens in any of the other ones, including Survival. So you might not like the commentary in Survival, but it's it's at least pretty entertaining. Yes. Because the and message would... isn't getting in the way. Right, right. No, I uh, that's a, like uh, a really good like breakdown of the difference, like why one is better than the other. And I never really thought about it like that of putting it in those words. But yeah, I completely agree with you. Like those are the reasons why. Because even now, it's it's been a while since I've seen Diary of the Dead. Um, but even, and Survival of the Dead for that matter. But I have always felt Survival was more in line with like Land of the Dead than Diary, mm-hmm. you know. Diary doesn't seem to carry over much of like a Romero movie you know yeah it was supposed to be the foundation of this new 
trilogy or universe going forward, maybe because he felt he didn't own the rights to the other stuff with Universal having an ownership stake in Land of the Dead where he couldn't continue in that world. So he, but also due to budgetary constrictions, had to kind of go back to basics a little bit because he went back on the indie route. And mm-hmm. you do have like the, the military guys who basically knock over, they, they rob the kids in diary and then they continue on in survival of the dead. There, there was yeah. supposed to be kind of threads where like, if they ever made the next movie, it was going to be the story of like the gang in the warehouse in diary, you know, okay. and, and that's cool. But it just never came to fruition. And unfortunately, I don't think Diary was strong enough to build that kind of universe. But, you know, and the character motivations are just really terrible. Uh, like, yeah, you're trying to make a documentary, but your life's also at stake. And like you're you're filming this when, you know, you, you clearly have no self-preservation. And those characters wind up dying anyway. And their surviving friend edits their deaths together and puts music over them. You know, what? like, okay, we get it. It's a movie. We need to have music. But we're get, we're going to explain this with one throwaway piece of dialogue as she's smoking <laughs> a cigarette. Uh, yes, I added music dramatically because I'm hoping to scare you. Like, in the beginning where she's trying to be all serious. These were your fucking friends, man. Like, right. You, I get you're trying to put a documentary together, but, like, whether it's the you know, Bernard Herman psycho music as I'm being stabbed to death or the hamster dance. Why would you, why would you do that? Why would you put music? Oh, these, you, you obviously don't, I mean, I guess you do kind of care about the characters, but at the same time, it feels like she's the worst fucking, she's worse than Dennis Hopper in land of the dead to me as a villain for doing this, because it's like, you just sold your soul like even if you have the chance of getting this movie out there and making money or something like that it was it's so disrespectful to take people you know like it's a snuff film <laughs> like right yeah it's it, yeah it does uh kind of get under your skin a little right like you're just kind of like you're a fucking psychopath and that's kind of disgusting you know mm-hmm. you don't really think about that but like yeah who edited these found footage movies together Here's my idea. I think that there should be a fake documentary about all the people who have found the footage for the found footage movies, mm-hmm. you know, have a little parody like, man, you're just, just walking in the woods, found a backpack with a bunch of cameras. In it. This is what I found. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know, because uh, those don't get answered. But uh, well, I think yeah. that's what like your Blair Witch is supposed to be, where they the people are dead. They found the footage and then someone else put it together. That's fine, but it also looks raw and has all those qualities where things happen off camera and then it pans over because, oh, something happened and you missed it. People are, are like, someone's going to shoot themselves in the background and it's already perfectly staged and framed so that, like a regular movie, you would just see this happening. I, just, I, I, I love the man's work to death. Uh, George Romero, I've said this before, is one of the people most directly responsible for me pursuing a career in filmmaking. The other person would be Steven Spielberg. But I just, I can't get on board with this one. And I think a big part of it is for the first time in his movie, in his zombie movie specifically, the message gets in the way of the entertainment. And that never happened yeah. before. I agree. Now that you've explained it, as you have, I in, do agree. Enjoy that Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> it might, Amazon might be getting a return. 
so, uh, anything else for Diary of the Dead? I think I've ranted enough. Yeah. So, where we started is where we ending. Where we are ending with another Spielberg movie. Mine is not AI. Mine is War of the Worlds. I there's a lot of movies that I love by Steven Spielberg, a ton, and uh, I mean everyone knows what they are, you know, uh, because everyone sees them and has a bunch of love for them as much as I do. But War of the Worlds, it's not one of the worst movies that I've seen, but it's one of the worst stories that I've seen uh, adapted on screen. Um, I just there's so many what's what what's really awful is that there are there is some brilliant filmmaking in this um and there are so many scenes that are just so well done it's it's amazing but when the the story gets in the way of what is amazing visually of this and the characters that Steven Spielberg put up on the screen for us that we're supposed to be behind are some of the worst ever on on a movie. I don't like Jane or uh, Tom Cruise as the dad. His son is so stupid throughout this movie. And then Dakota Fanning, who is a great childhood actress, just screams throughout this movie. It's nonstop screaming. And it's like nails on a chalkboard to me. And I understand that there are terrifying moments who wouldn't be terrified with the events that are unfolding in this movie. But how it's done is just, it's so obnoxious. I mean, you have that, that car sequence when they're trying to get out of the city because the tripods are destroying shit, right? Mm -hmm. The camera work is awesome, right? It's coming in and out of the car. And I don't, and it's one of those like things you want to see in a movie. That's like a magic trick where it's like, how did they do that? Right. The camera's coming out of the car and then going around cars as they're speeding down the highway. But then as soon as you get closer to Dakota Fanning, here's some eardrum shattering screaming. And it's like, oh my God, mm -hmm. I can't, I can't handle this. Um, and then... On, on a scale a, of one to Logan, what, what are we talking about as far as child screaming goes? Oh, if, if Daphne is a baseline child screaming, uh -huh. right? In Logan, this is 11. Dakota Fanning is like, we are going up and over the mountain with uh -huh. my screaming. You know, it is it is awful. It's like, I can't, I cannot do this anymore. And it, it sucks because there's like, once again, there's some awesome, awesome sequences, you know. Um, when they're on the ferry and the the birds start flying towards them. And then Dakota Fanning realizes that there's something beyond the hill, right? And then the hill, the horizon behind the hill starts glowing. And then you see the tripods come up over the hill and then get into the water and start swimming towards the fucking ferry. Holy shit, that's a lot of tension to like build up in like five minutes of filmmaking, mm -hmm. you know? Because you've already seen what these tripods can do. And then it's like, then there's Tom Cruise's son who just acts like a fucking idiot all the time. Somehow manages to survive a tripod falling on him and exploding and <laughs> makes it to their home like nothing happened. Not a scratch on him. 
a tripod gets knocked over and these things are gigantic. And, and there's explodes. a fucking fireball. And then he's like, oh, sorry, I was such an asshole, dad. You're not so bad of a dad after all. I don't know. It's just like the the special effects are great, but it's not enough for me to be like, because to love it because the acting and the story around this event is just awful. I don't mm-hmm. like any of the characters. Um, and it just sucks because War of the Worlds is like one of the most unique stories. It's one of my favorite stories. And then its history is just amazing. You know, when it was like a, a radio drama and people were actually freaking out, you know, stuff like that. It's so awesome. And this to have this be so lackluster by Steven Spielberg, who knows how to make a fucking movie, mm-hmm. you know, what, how did it get this bad? You know, one more thing that I want to address that just drives me up the wall is whenever in all the other War of the World stories, how the aliens got on Earth is all kind of relatively similar. They came down in spacecraft or, you know, they were in some sort of vessel that you would assume was like a meteor, you know, and then it opens up and there's these other machines in there, you know. These fucking things came down in lightning, right? So not only was it the machinery that came down in lightning, but also the aliens. And we're just supposed to buy that they got teleported under dirt, you know? That's really lame to me. I think it would be infinitely better if it was like, oh my God, these are asteroids. So it's like you have that first threat of like, what are these asteroid impacts going to do to the world? And then it's like, no, they're not asteroids. These are vessels that have war machines in them. You know? See, this just reminds me, did you ever see the uh, Steve Martin movie, Steve Martin, Eddie Murphy movie, Bowfinger? No, I haven't. The the whole there's a whole plot where aliens are coming to it because it's they're they're low budget filmmakers trying to make a movie, and okay. the the guy wants to tell this alien story, and it's 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 War of the Worlds. I mean, it's pretty much what you're describing, but instead of the lightning bolts, it's raindrops, and okay. the aliens are coming down with the raindrops, and the name of the movie is Chubby Rain because <laughs> things are coming down with the rain. <laughs> that's that's what your lightning bolts remind me of there although it's it's probably better uh, i agree it's not uh might might not be convincing in the way that they did it but you know visually it's probably cool looking oh in war of the worlds or yeah it is cool because they have this scene set up where it's like lightning strikes the same spot like seven or eight times and you know everyone's like lightning can't strike the same place twice you know mm-hmm. so it's immediately interesting and kind of foreshadowing but then they actually show you that there's aliens surrounding the beams that come down, like the lightning rods. You know, there's aliens in them. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, that's so stupid. You know, it's really dumb. Hmm. And then it's like, well, that's kind of dumb. But then how did these, like, 50-foot tripods get under the ground, too? You know? And uh, I don't know. It was just super disappointing. And I also got to – this was, like, when we went out to California – and they had that fucking exhibit for War of the Worlds before. I was so I was getting pumped up, and then I saw the movie, and I was like, "God damn!" They got so much right and so much wrong at the same time. How did this happen? Yeah, so, it's a shame. That's so, too and bad. this movie, this movie is liked by a lot of people. 
you know? So it puts, puts me in a weird predicament where it's like, am I being too nitpicky or do I, I, I and I don't think I am. I think the story is underdeveloped. And with it being around for so long, I just assume that Steven Spielberg would have taken more care to tell this story. You know, this isn't a new story. And even if it's not called War of the Worlds, we've seen them so many times, you know, Independence Day, Mm -hmm. Battlefield or Battle Los Angeles, you know, all these things are War of the Worlds movies. And so to have the War of the Worlds movie by the biggest director at the time come out like this is just super disappointing. I wonder what if there is any fallout there, because I, I want to say they did Minority Report the previous year. And for a minute there, it kind of looked like Spielberg and Cruz were going to be like Scorsese and DiCaprio. Yeah. And they just made the two movies and kind of split. So I, I wonder what the deal was there. Maybe uh, Scientology got in the way, you know, possibly. Yeah, Who knows? Hard, hard to say. Hard to say. I think we had a really good list here of... <laughs> bad movies done by great directors yeah oh uh, this was fun i think we're pretty articulate too nuanced of why these things aren't very good you know yeah it wasn't just like i i don't like it therefore it's garbage <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah because that really does seem to be a lot of people's opinion is i think this is bad therefore it is and it's just right. like can, can you unpack that a little bit, you know, because that's really not a reason. <laughs> right. Your your opinion is not gospel. It's just nobody's opinion is gospel. That's why they're called opinions. It's all subjective, as we covered. But at least there's a handful of reasons for why this doesn't work for you. This is why I'm calling this bad. You know, it might not be a bad movie to you, but it's a bad movie to me. Yes, I agree. And I was going to say something snarky, like, and no one should like them but that's not true. You can like these movies. I'll just judge you from a distance, you know? (laughs) Anyways, give us a like and a follow on our social media accounts. You can find us at post credits podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Give us a five-star review on any podcast listening platform of choice. We'd appreciate it. It helps us get out there a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Why not all of them too? Yes. Yeah, Actually, not not just one. Give but... us, yeah, go go through them all and give us reviews on all of them. Just click click that button. Yeah, I'll be your friend. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's all I got. What about you? No, I I think I'm good. I, I think we can put a pin in this one and maybe we'll do a volume two sometime. We could. I have more as well, so we could definitely do a volume two. Yeah, save or it. We could do the opposite of. Horrible directors, great movies. Well, that that was the original. Uh, that was the original idea, but yeah. I, I I decided to uh, kind of spin it in a little more of a positive light there. Yeah, we can only be savages on a level so often, but maybe sometime in the future that we should do that because that's yeah. also kind of a we'll, we'll get around to that when we're having a particularly yeah. bad day and <laughs> right. just feel like right. being jerks, just tearing tearing everyone down. <laughs> I have no interest in that. <laughs> no? Uh, in being a jerk and tearing people down. Oh, no, not that. Yeah. I have an interest in talking about that topic, but not being a jerk and tearing people down. No, oh, I don't. Good. I'm particularly glad, like doing that. Glad we cleared the air on that. Only if they deserve it. That's, and that's like, I, I'll just shut up. Anyways, I'll see you in the next <laughs>
Yeah, let's quit while we're ahead. Thank you.